0: الله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يذلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ verily the praise belongs to Allah. We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness. And we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead Him astray. And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide Him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that he, that he has no partners, and I bear witness that Muhammad ﷺ is his slave servant and his messenger. I <laughs> would like to begin this evening in this lecture number 32, from the Sharh, for explanation of Kitab Al-Tawheed, al huwa haqqullah ala al in Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab ibn Sulaiman al Tamimi al Najdi, Rahimahullah. In this chapter, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab Rahimahullah, which he, has, he, which he has entitled Bab Maja fi what has come or what has been reported or narrated concerning that that is, ostentation or showing off, and the prohibition. And the prohibition of ar and the warning against it. Before mentioning the evidences that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has mentioned concerning ar I would like to just quickly mention what some of the scholars have said concerning the definition of ar-riya. We, tra- we have translated ar as some of the previous translators have translated it as ostentation or showing off. However some of the scholars said that الرياء is فعل الخير Ghair. الغير فعل الخير doing something good doing a good deed a righteous deed لإرادة الغير while having يعني, the intention or the desire in doing that deed having, it, having a desire to please or to earn some reward from other than Allah يعني, doing a good deed With the intention of getting some reward or some benefit from someone or something other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whoever does a good deed, the deeds which should be done to earn the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next life. Yet they do it for some other reason than the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next life. This is ar-riya, showing off for ostentation. And some of the scholars said that what is meant by ar-riya is izhar ibadah. Yeah, I mean, openly doing some act of worship, So that, yeah, I mean, with the intention that the people will see it. Doing it openly, so that the people will see it. Then the one who does that act would be praised for it. Yani yeah, I mean, doing an act of ibadah openly with the intention that the people will see it, so that the one who does it would be praised for it. And indeed, this action of riya, it is from the qisat of the munafiqeen al is one of the characteristics of the Munafakeen, the hypocrites, who openly do acts related to Islam, while in their heart they are not doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The ruling concerning al is that it is shirk. And most of the scholars said that al is shirk asghar, as it has been reported in a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. However, Ibn al-Qayyim and other scholars said that it might go beyond the level of shirk asgar, minor shirk, and it might reach major shirk shirk akbar in some situations or circumstances. The ruling concerning the ibadah, which has been affected by ar-riya requires some detail, and if there's time in the end, I would like to read from the explanation or discussion of Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Saadi concerning this issue however in brief in case there is no time in brief we can say that whoever does any act from the very beginning they have the intention of doing it for other than Allah then indeed that act is basil. it is false, useless and nullified it has no benefit however the one who does an act of worship initially doing it for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and during the course of that act the riya actually enters into their intention and they begin to do it for some other reason other than allah or for allah and someone other than allah then the scholars differ concerning this and perhaps the stronger opinion is that if that act is a continuous act, the beginning of it is connected to the end of it, then it is nullified. However, if it is an act which the beginning of it is not connected to the end of it, for example, the person who gives charity gives 100 reals in charity and they gave 5 reals, For the sake of Allah. And they gave another 10 riyals to another person. And they continued to give. But while they were giving. And the people were seeing them and watching them. They changed their intention. And they they, they were affected. And began to give. So that they may be seen. And so that they may be praised. In that case. Once the riyah or the ostentation entered into the act. Then that part of it is nullified. While that which is before it is not nullified, insha'Allah. Likewise, some of the scholars said, that if the riya actually comes into play, after the person has completed the act of worship, after they have completed, they have done it for the sake of Allah, and they completed that act, and then afterwards, afterwards, the feeling of riya, the feeling overcame them, that uh, the people have seen them, someone has seen them performing this act, and they felt proud of it, and they were happy for people to see them, then inshallah there is no effect, because they have initially done it for the sake of Allah, and they have completed that act for the sake of Allah, and indeed the believer should be pleased about their good deeds, and should be displeased about their evil deeds. The first of the evidences that Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, rahimahullah, mentions in this section, is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Kahf. Chapter 18, verse 110 قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَنَا بَشْرٌ مِثْلُكُمْ يُوحَى إِلَيَّ أَنَّمَا إِلَهُكُمْ Ilahun إله وَاحِدٌ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to say إِنَّمَا أَنَا بَشْرٌ Verily, really, I am indeed only a human being, a basher, I am only a human being. Meaning that... He doesn't have the qualities of divinity of Rububiya or Uluhiya, nor does he have the qualities of the angels. He is a human being. Except that, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala also ordered him to say, while mentioning that he is only a human being, not to be worshipped. Except that, ilayya "Annama ilahukum ilahun Wahid that it has been revealed to me that verily, your ilah, your God. He is one God. That is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is single, unique, and alone. And he is the only one that deserves to be worshipped. And this point also is of importance that he has mentioned the difference. Though he is a human being, but the difference between him and others is that he has received al Yuha Revelation has been given to him. Therefore, he is a prophet. So he has the distinction of an nubuwa prophethood. While otherwise, he is a human being. And then he said... فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوْ لِقَاعَ رَبِّهِ فليعمل عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعِبَادَةِ رَبِّهِ أَحَدًا So whoever has hope of the meeting with their Lord, يعني they fear the day when they will stand before their Lord, يوم القيامة. They fear that day when they will stand before Him. And they look forward to the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those who believe and did good deeds. Whoever has hope of that day when he would meet his Lord. Then it is obligatory. فَلْيَعْمَلْ لَام Here the lamb is for command. لَامَ الْعَمْرَ Then he must do righteous deeds. and yani those deeds that are in accordance with the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, In accordance with the sharia. Amelan saliha وَلَا yushrik bi ibada ti ahada and he should not associate anyone in the worship of his Lord. He should not associate anyone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the worship that he offers to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La Yushrik bi رَبِّهِ bi Ahada. That means to the, with 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 no exceptions, no one should be joined with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the worship that is for him alone. Yani one's intention should never be for anyone other than Allah, but one's intention should be to earn the pleasure and the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. The Shaykh, Shaykh Muhammad Al-Qaraawi, Allah, he says, the general meaning of this Ayah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered His Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to inform the people of this reality and he, that the reality of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi is that he is a human being like other human beings he is free or void of any of the special characteristics of divinity the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of ilahiya or uluhiya. and likewise the characteristics of malakiyya the characteristics of the angels he doesn't have any of these characteristics, in fact he is only a human being, except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has distinguished him by al wa wal by giving him revelation and sending him as a messenger, and from amongst, from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed to him is ifrad, ifradullah bil-ibadah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he should be singled out for worship alone to the exclusion of anyone or anything besides him. nama ilahukum ilahun wahid, That the one who should be worshipped, your God, he is one God. He is alone, he is unique, and he alone deserves to be worshipped. And likewise, from that which has been revealed to him, is that whoever fears the meeting with Allah on Yom القيامة and hopes for his reward, then it is incumbent on that person to have ikhlas or sincerity in the deed that they do for Allah alone and they must also observe al-mutaba'ah, following, strictly adhering to the way of the Messenger of Allah, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam The Shaykh mentioned from this ayah five fawaid, five benefits, the first of them is the confirmation Of the humanity of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that indeed he is a human being and he is void of any of the special characteristics of divinity or of the characteristics of the angels. Number two, in this ayat is an evidence for the shahadatain. In this ayat is an evidence that for la ilaha illallah, that Allah is the only one that deserves to be worshipped in the saying of Allah annama ilahukum ilahun wahid and likewise there is an evidence for the messengership of the prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the saying of Allah Yuha ilayya, yani that revelation has been given to him that is Muhammad the third point is that at Tawheed the Tawheed that our Prophet Muhammad وسلم came with, it is Tawheed al uluhiyah Tawheed Al-Uluhiyya. The Tawheed of worship that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be singled out exclusively for all acts of worship. As for the Tawheed of Rububiyya, the Tawheed of Lordship, and the acknowledgement that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only Lord, the only Creator, and the one who gives life and death, even the disbelievers, even the disbelievers from amongst the Quraysh did not deny this. Even the disbelievers did not deny that. But what was the I mean, the difference was concerning the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be worshipped alone. That is, Tawheed al uluhiyah or Tawheed al ubudiyah And as for those who say, La ilaha illallah means there is no creator except Allah. This is only an acknowledgement of rububiyah which the pagans and disbelievers acknowledge. But in fact, the real meaning of La ilaha illallah is concerned with Al-ubudiyya, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one that deserves worship. Number four that the conditions for acceptance of actions is number one al-ikhlas sincerity, doing it for Allah alone and al Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and strictly following the example or the guidelines or instructions of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Number five in this ayah is a refutation of those who take intercession from others, and yani seek intercession from the so-called righteous or saints and so on. And this is because in this ayat, the ayat is general in negating, in negating, uh, the association or the right to associate anyone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without any exception. Wala yushrik bi ibadati rabbi ahada. No one should be joined in, uh, equality or sharing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his right to be worshipped. Therefore, the only one that we can seek, that we can turn to who has the right to offer intercession, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or those who he gives that to amongst the prophets or messengers and martyrs and so on. The relationship of this ayat to the chapter under discussion and the general topic of a Tawheed is that this ayat, this noble ayat, indicates the fact that a deed will not be accepted unless it is free of a shirk of associating anything or offering any of the rights that are exclusive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to other than him a deed will not be accepted unless it is free from a shirk and in terms of the chapter under discuss- discussion ar-riya then ar-riya is a type of shirk and first and foremost it is minor shirk however as we mentioned, it could also يعني, increase and lead to the level of being major shirk. Then the Shaykh mentions a benefit that is the definition of ar-riya, and he said that ar-riya is, as we mentioned earlier, fi'l al-khair li-iradat al Yani Doing a good deed, desiring by it, the seeking the pleasure or reward from other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the difference between ar-riya and As-Sum'a he says Ar-Riya it is done for the purpose of being seen by the people riya Ar-Riya li-ajli r-u-yat-in-nas. it is done in order to be seen by the people Wa As-Sum'a al-amal li while As-Sum'a it is a deed which is done that to be heard by the people yani, Ar-Riya It refers to the actions that someone does to be seen. So that they will be praised for it. And as-sum'ah are those things that a person says. So that they will be heard and be praised for it. Such as reading of Quran or dhikr or dua or whatever of this type. The second evidence that the imam mentions is the hadith reported, hadith Qudsi. And he is saying... Which the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has attributed directly to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is narrated on the authority of Abu Hurairah radiAllahu anhu marfu'an, يعني attributing to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he said, قال Allahu Ta'ala, that Allah the Most High said, أنا أغنى الشركاء عن الشرك. من عمل عملا أشرك معي فيه غيري تركته وشركه that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He says that I am the most self-sufficient, the most independent of the shuraka of those who have associates and Allah has no associates but they have given to Him associates while He is without need of them but of those who have associates Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He is aghna shuraka He is the one who is most without need most free of need, most independent and self-sufficient of having any associates of having the need for anyone to do any action joining others uh, with him in such worship. So whoever does an act in which he joins others in worship with me, with, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that anyone who does an act in which he joins with him in that action, someone or something other than him, wa Shirkahu, Then he says, I leave him, the one who has associated something with me, and I also leave his act of shirk that action which he has done for other than me or in this case that he has done for me along with someone other than me rawahu muslim this hadith is recorded by al-imam muslim the shaykh says the general meaning of this hadith qudsi is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions here that he is al-ghani he is rich free of need, independent, He is free of any need, of any of his creatures, of everything that he has created, he is free of need of any of them, and all of them. And for this reason, he doesn't accept any action, which involves shirk, which involves someone doing something for Allah, along with someone or something other than him and from the types of shirk is arriya ostentation or doing something to be seen by others and the reason why allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't accept any deed which involves shirk is because it is not suitable it is not fitting to his absolute state of being free of need of being rich and independent and his noble or his nobility and generosity allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is without need, and it is not fitting that anyone should be associated to him while he is the one who is free of all need, and he is the one who is most generous and also in this Hadith Qudsi, there is a great warning to those who have allowed themselves to mislead them to doing some deed which should be done for the face of Allah a deed that should be done in order to please Allah to earn the reward of Allah to see the face of Allah on yawmul qiyamah which will be for the believers to earn the reward of seeing the face of Allah if somebody does a deed which should be done for that reason however he does it in order for the people to turn towards him to pay attention to him, to look at him then that person will come on the day of resurrection and he will not find anything of good deeds for him but he will find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who will Yani recompense him fully with his full account and Allah is swift in calling to account. Yani whoever does any deed for Allah along with doing it for other than Allah, know indeed that that deed would be rejected outright and totally. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no need of it and he doesn't accept it. And on the day of resurrection that person will be in a terrible state, state when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls them to account and they find no good deeds on their scale. From the benefits of this hadith, the Sheikh has mentioned five, the confirmation of the sifa of ghina, al-mutlaq, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has absolute independence and self-sufficiency and being without need of anything. It is a characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he is absolutely free of need and independent of everyone and everything number 2 that allah subhanahu wa taala doesn't accept any deed except that it is done purely for his sake alone number 3 the invalidity of those actions which have been affected by riya by ostentation yani those deeds are invalid number 4 the confirmation of the absolute generosity or benevolence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and number 5 the confirmation of the characteristic of speech for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that is appropriate and suitable to his majesty as in this hadith the prophet sallallahu alaihi wa sallam said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke these words the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion and the general topic of at tawhid is that this hadith indicates the invalidity of any action in which any action which involves shirk and ar-riya or ostentation is included as a type of shirk then the shaykh makes a note concerning ar-riya and he says that if a person does a deed which originally he has done it for other than Allah, then this deed is invalid by ijma', by consensus. There is no difference of opinion. The one who does a deed, originally he has done it for other than Allah, then there is no question and there is no difference about its invalidity. However, if a person does a deed, originally he has done it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then al-riya enters into his intention, into his heart. Yani, after he has intended to do it for Allah alone, purely for Allah's sake, during the course of that action, al-riya enters into his act. If he pushes that away, he resists it and rejects it, then his action is not invalidated. However, if he continues to allow the riyah to affect his deed until the end of that action. There are two opinions. Some of the scholars said that in that case, if he allows it to continue, though he started it purely for the sake of Allah, in that case the action is invalid, while some said that it is not invalid totally and that he would be rewarded for his original intention which he has done for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is the stronger opinion, according to the Shaykh. Yani whoever does a deed originally having the intention to do it purely for Allah alone but during the course of that action al-riya comes into play and he begins to continue that action for the sake of being seen by others some of the scholars said it is still invalid others said that he would be rewarded for his original intention which was purely for the sake of Allah alone the third and last evidence that the Sheikh mentions concerning al-riya it is the Hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, رضي anhu عنه which he has attributed to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, as saying "ألا أخبركم بما هو أخوف عليكم عندي من المسيح Shall I not inform you of that which is more, uh, which is more fearful to me? which I am more fearful for you due to the thing that I am more fearful about." Then Al Masihid Dajjal Kalubella They that is the companions of the Prophet said, indeed, يعني tell us قال الشرك Al Khafi. that which he feared for his companions more than he feared from Al Masihid Dajjal, it is a Shirk al Khafi, the hidden Shirk or inconspicuous shirk. Then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave them, gave them an example of that hidden shirk and he said He said it is like a man who stands up to perform prayer and he begins to pray and then he adorns his prayer يعني yani he improves it he, does, he performs the prayer in a better manner because or due to the fact that he sees someone watching him that means that he has improved the performance of the prayer just to be seen by others. This is the example, and like it, there are many examples. Whatever is similar to it also comes under the same ruling of al-shirk al-khafi. Rawahu Ahmed, this hadith has been reported by Imam Ahmed, and likewise by Ibn Majah, and it was declared to be sahih by al hakim and reported by al-Bayhaqi and al-Shaykh al-Albani also declared it to be Sahih and Sahih jami' Al-Saghiya the, j- the Shaykh says the general meaning of this hadith is that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Wasallam has informed us in this hadith of his compassion and his concern for his Ummah and his fear upon them from al-Masih al-Dajjal However, that which is more fearful, yani what he fears more so, than al-Masih al-Tajjal, it is the inconspicuous or hidden shirk, that is ar-riya, ostentation, that a person does a deed for the sake of Allah, and they also do it for the sake of being seen or heard or praised by others. This was more feared by the Prophet ﷺ than the Antichrist, al-Masih al dajjal Because al-Masih al-Dajjal, he is limited to a particular time period. He will come at a certain time and the people who are in that time would be affected by him. However, the rest of the Muslims, the rest of the ummah, before him, they would not be affected by him. Whereas al-Riyah, it is something which is hidden. It is inconspicuous. It is not obvious. It is not easy to detect. And also, due to the strength. Of or the power of that which caused somebody to fall into a riya that encourages someone to fall into a riya and the difficulty of freeing oneself from it and it is like a ladder that leads to other things a zuhoor yani, to be seen and seeking status and seeking leadership and the human being, the soul of the human being is naturally inclined towards this the sheikh says from this Hadith, he mentions four benefits, the first of them Is that asking questions as a, mean of, as a means of teaching Is one of the Islamic ways of teaching Asking questions As the Prophet Sallallahu began this hadith by saying Shall I not inform you Of that which I fear more for you than al-Masih al-Dajjal He asked a question And then he answered it Number two The compassion and concern of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his care and eagerness to protect his companions and number three the severity of the danger of al riya on his companions due to it being hidden and inconspicuous and the difficulty of escaping from it and the power with which someone is pushed into it number four the clarification of the danger of al-Masih al and the warning from him the antichrist the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion and the general topic of the tawhid is that this hadith in this hadith uh, it is pointed out that the prophet sallallahu he feared al-shirk al-khafi hidden or inconspicuous shirk uh, upon his companions and that arriya and for this reason it is obligatory to avoid it and to be warned from it and indeed if the Prophet sallallahu alayhi it for his companions then what about those who came after them concerning the masail or the issues that al-imam muhammad ibn Abdul wahhab rahimahullah has mentioned in this chapter he mentioned six the first of them is the explanation of ayatul kahf that is the verse in al kahf the first evidence that he mentioned that verily I am only a human being, إِنَّمَا أَنَا And the explanation of this, that the Prophet ﷺ, that he was only a human being, and he didn't have any, any of the qualities of divinity, and that Allah ﷻ alone should be worshipped, and nothing should be joined with him as a partner. The second of those issues is al Amrul al-Azim, and is a great matter of the rejection of righteous deeds, when they have been done for other than Allah any yani a righteous deed. If a enters into it that the person does it for other than Allah, then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said that He would abandon that one who does such a deed, and He would abandon their deed, their shirk. So this is indeed a serious and severe manner, manner, a matter, because a person's deeds would be lost totally from this. And also the Shaykh says, Shaykh Muhammad Ibn Salih al said that from this hadith we also can understand that the one who does so that uh, they have earned the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third, evident, the third issue is the mention of the reason which requires yani this to be, which requires the deeds of someone who falls into Riyadh to be rejected and it is the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's self-sufficiency and independence and being without need of anyone Yani, the reason why anybody's deeds would be rejected if they associate something with Allah in that they do it for Allah and for other than Allah it is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is totally without need of anyone or anything and therefore whoever does something for him and someone else along with him even if it is a righteous deed would be rejected. The Sheikh says, however, due to Allah's generosity, even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have any need of anyone to do any deeds or to worship Him, but due to His generosity, when somebody does a righteous deed purely for His sake alone, then He rewards them. The fourth issue is that from the reasons that Allah subhanahu yani wa and from the reasons why he rejects the deed in which someone is associated with him is because he is khayru ash because he is the best of those who have associates and again the meaning of Allah subhanahu wa having associates is that the pagans and disbelievers they have associated things with him while indeed Allah subhanahu wa doesn't have anyone as an equal or a partner with him in any way whatsoever the shaykh says concerning this point that the reason why deeds are done in which someone has done a deed for someone or something other than Allah along with him is because Allah is the best of those who have been attributed to partnership meaning that he doesn't care about Whatever somebody does for him along with someone other than him, he has no need of it. So he gives it to the one that has been associated with him. If anybody does a deed for Allah along with someone other than Allah, then Allah doesn't accept it. He leaves that person and their act to the one that they have associated with him. The fifth issue is the fear of the Prophet ﷺ upon his companions. The fear that he had of his companions falling into a and this is indicated in his saying shall I not inform you of that which I fear more upon you than al-Masih al-Tajjal and the Sheikh says if he feared for his companions then those who came after him have a more right that we should fear for them and we should have more right to fear al-Riyah more than the Prophet feared for his companions and the last issue is that he has described riya here by giving the example of a person performing prayer however he has adorned or beautified or improved his prayer due to the fact that he sees someone watching him this is uh, an example of riya and whatever is similar to it is equal to it the next Chapter, which is very brief, containing two evidences, and it is related to this chapter. For this reason, we have joined them. And if somebody will remind me to go back to the questions, or maybe I should take the questions now. No, it's better. Uh, yani, yeah, the first question: Define arriya. We said that arriya is that a person does a good deed or a righteous deed for other than Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Yani, yeah, somebody openly does an act of worship while having the desire for doing it to be seen by others, to be praised by others. What is the difference between ar and asuma? sumah is something, an action that is done, which is seen by people, so that someone may be recognized or praised for it. And as is that which is said, speech that may be heard with the same objective, to be recognized or to be praised. What is the hukum or legal ruling concerning ar-riya? is that it is shirk. And most of the scholars said, according to the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that it is minor shirk. However, some of them said that it might lead to major shirk. What is the hukum or legal ruling concerning? These two situations. The first, a deed originally done to be seen or heard by others. That deed which is originally done for the purpose of being seen, seen or heard by others, it is shirk, minor shirk, and it is rejected. And the deed done originally for Allah and then al entered upon it. If mean, somebody did something originally for the sake of Allah and then they were affected by ar we said that, some of the scholars said that it is rejected and some said that they would be rewarded for their original intention their sincere intention that they began with for the sake of Allah and some of the scholars said that uh, if that deed is a single deed that the beginning of it is connected to the end of it, it is invalidated however if it is an action that continues and the beginning of it is not direct connected to the end of it, then the beginning of it would be rewarded and the end upon which the Riyaz has entered would be rejected. What may be understood from the words, I'm only a man like you, it has been revealed to me that your God is one God, that is Allah alone. What may be understood from this is that the Prophet doesn't have any of the qualities of divinity. What may be understood from the words, let him work righteousness and associate none as a partner in the worship of his Lord. It means that a person has to do deeds correctly in accordance with the Sharia. That is the meaning of Amal As-Saleh in accordance with the Sunnah. And they also have to avoid uh, a shirk in that. It should be, these two conditions should be met for any deed to be accepted. It has to be done correctly and has to be done purely for the sake of Allah. Explain the Hadith, I am the most self-sufficient of associates free of need of having association and in the meaning of this hadith is that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la, he is perfectly independent self-sufficient and without need and therefore if anyone is associated with him if anyone is associated with him or anything is associated with him then the one who does such a deed in which they associate something with Allah Allah rejects that person and rejects their deed and he gives them and their deed over to the one that they have associated with him explain shirk al-khafi and why is it called Khafi, Shirk al-Khafi it means hidden shirk or inconspicuous shirk and it is called Khafi because it is hidden it is not seen it is an action of the heart that is not obvious and it's not open and therefore it is called hidden shirk and as for the benefits that are derived from this chapter those benefits have been mentioned with each evidence. The, the next chapter Imam Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahhab He mentions, or he entitled it, Bab min al shirk, iradatul insan bi amalihi al dunya. That a person, uh, it is a form of shirk, that a person does a righteous deed for the reason of getting something of the worldly matters. And he does a deed that should be done for the reward of Allah in the next life, but he does it for some benefit in this world. The first evidence that he mentions is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, مَنْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا وَزِينَتَهَا That whoever desires, whoever wants the life of this world and its adornments, نُوَفِّي إِلَيْهِمْ أَعْمَالَهُمْ فِيهَا Then we will give them fully, we will give them the reward for their deed in this world. Whatever they have done, they will get the rewards in this world. And that includes the disbelievers as well as the Muslims who may fall into this. Whoever wants the things of this world and its adornment, they do, they do whatever they do for that reason, and they will be given fully the wages of their deeds in this world. Or well, they will get no reward for in the next life. hum fiha They would not be, it would not be decreased. They would not have any, suffer any loss in the reward that they would get for their deeds in this world. They would, give their, they would get the full reward of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained from the, for them in this world while well, nothing in the hereafter. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that which is a severe threat for the people who do any deed purely for the reason of earning something in this world and not for the sake of Allah and His reward in the next life. <inaudible> then these are those that they, they will have nothing in the next life except the hellfire. مَا فِيهَا وَبَاطِلٌ مَا كَانُوا That their deeds would be lost. Yani, there would be no reward in the next life for the deeds that they have done in this world for worldly matters. Yani, for worldly objective or for worldly reward. It would be lost. It would be destroyed. There will be no reward in the next life. And the actions that they have done this battle It is false because it has not been done for the sake of Allah alone. The shaykh says, the general meaning of this ayat is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <laughs> informs us in these two verses that whoever... His ambition and his resolution and zeal is weak. And his sight is short. And he cannot see past this world to the great reward of Allah in the next life. And he wants or he desires for the righteous deeds that he does in this world. He wants a reward, a worldly reward. He does not want the reward of Allah in the next life. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him the reward in this passing life. However, he will be bankrupt and yani he will not have anything for him on Yom qiyamah and that, at that time when he will have the greatest need to some good deeds but instead he will put himself in the position to be thrown in the fire because his righteous deeds which he had did he has already sought the fruits of them, the reward of them in this world and he has gotten his worldly reward so there will be nothing for him in the next life therefore his deeds will be invalidated they will be lost And there would not be a reason or a cause for him to be saved. To be saved from the fire. The shaykh mentions four benefits from these two ayats. The first of them is that Allah (laughs) subhanahu wa ta'ala might reward the kafir in this world. It is possible that Allah might reward the kafirs in this world for their good deeds. Whatever they have done. The deeds that they have done. On the surface they appear to be good deeds while in fact of course they have not done it for the sake of Allah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may reward them by giving them good health, by giving them wealth, by giving them whatever of the things of this world because they have sought the things of the world. However nothing will remain with them in the next life and they will not have any reward for their deeds in front of Allah in your muqiyama. Number two, that a shirk associating something with Allah it invalidates One's deeds. Number three, seeking the worldly things by actions of the next life. Yani, uh, by those actions or those deeds which are, which should be done for the reward of Allah in the next life, seeking worldly things by those actions invalidates those actions. And yani, they become invalid and they have no reward. And the last, the fourth of those points that he mentioned is that every deed, which is not done purely for the face of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala it will be invalid, it will be invalid and of no use. The relationship of these two ayahs to the chapter under discussion is that they prove that the one who seeks something of the worldly matters by the actions of the next life that the reward for those actions would be lost and invalid. Then the Shaykh mentions, he mentions a note uh, and he says that those who seek the worldly things by the actions of the next life, those who seek the dunya rewards by the actions of the akhirah. there are three types. The first of them is that a person does a good deed purely for the sake of Allah. However, he doesn't hope that Allah would reward him with anything except a reward in this life. Yani he does a deed for Allah but he wants from Allah to reward him in this world, he wants some worldly reward and he gives the example of a person who gives chari- sadaqah for the purpose of preserving his wealth, yani by giving charity he has preserved reward in this world and this is Muharram, yani this division it is forbidden that a person should do so. That they should do a reward, not hoping for the reward of the next life. The second division is the person who does a good deed for the sake of being seen by the people or being heard by the people. And this division is shirk, it is shirk. Yani it is riyah, It is minor shirk. Which also invalidates the deed. The third division is the one who does a good deed For the purpose of getting some material reward from the people. Like the one who performed hajj. So that he will get some wealth, some payment for performing hajj. Like he performs hajj uh, for someone who has passed. And somebody gave him some money say perform hajj in the name of my mother or whatever. And he does the hajj not for pilgrimage as an act of worship for Allah. But he does it to get some payment of money. Uh, He said, and likewise it is under this category The one who has the characteristics of being religious and righteousness But he does so that he may be appointed to a position, a religious position He does not act in this way For the sake of Allah Then this is also shirk billah It is also shirk because he has intended by his actions other than the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Finally, he says, as for the one who does a deed purely for the sake of Allah. However, he receives some worldly benefit and he takes it. And he does something purely for the sake of Allah. And after he has done it, somebody gives him some reward of the worldly things and he takes it. And there's no sin against him. However, his reward in the next life would be reduced in accordance with what he has taken of the worldly benefits like the one who makes jihad for the sake of Allah, and he gets the ghanima, the spoils of war, then there is no blame on him and there is no sin. However, he, he has been given some reward in this world, and to that extent, his reward in the next life would be reduced. Wallahu a'am. The second and the last evidence that the Sheikh mentions on this topic is the hadith. He says, وَفِي Sahih, And here he means al-Bukhari. The hadith has been recorded in Bukhari in more than one place. However, the exact wording that he has mentioned here, uh... In, has and included and he has he has included an expression that is not found in either of the narrations of Al Bukhari, but the meaning is found in one of the narrations with another wording. In any case, uh, this hadith has been found in Bukhari except with a slight difference in the expression. An Huraira radiallahu anhu kalar Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Taisa al Dinar. Yani the slave of the dinar be be destroyed or perish wa ta'isa dirham and may the slave of the dirham the dinar and dirham are coins that they used to use gold and silver coins ta'isa abd al and may the slave of the khamisa any yani type of clothing may he also perish or be destroyed ta'isa abd and in the narration of bukhari he said qatifa which has the same meaning and it is also a type of clothing that the people wear. Some fine clothing like silk. The meaning of this expression is that, Allah, that the Prophet ﷺ has supplicated against those who make themselves as a slave to seeking wealth or seeking the things of this world. Fine clothing or otherwise. And then he describes such a person as in this way. In rabiya. If he is given of those things, he is pleased. And in his pleasure is only achieved by being given something of the worldly things in lam يُعْطَى سَخِطَى and if he is not given of the worldly things he is displeased his pleasure and his displeasure is based on whether or not he is given or not given of the worldly things not that his pleasure or displeasure is for the sake of Allah تَعِسَ وَانْتَقَسَ he said may he be perished or destroyed وَانْتَقَسَ it means may he يعني, go back into a worse condition يعني a sickness that a person has been freed from they have been cured from let it return to them. وَإِذَا شِيكَ فَلَنْ And if he is stuck by a thorn, then may he not find anyone to remove it from him. And the Prophet is supplicating against the person who seeks the dunya. May he be destroyed. May he be perished. And if any harm, any affliction or any calamity befalls him, may he not find any way out of it. Then the second group of people he said, توب abdin آخذن Bi فَرَسِهِ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ He supplicates for the one who seeks the reward of Allah. لِعَبْدٍ bi فَرَسِهِ فِي سبيل الله. May the one, the slave, who takes the reins of his horse, yani in preparation for going forth in the way of Allah, in jihad, he, he supplicated for him for Tuba and some of the scholars said Tuba it means al-Jannah, the paradise and some of them said it means a tree that is in paradise that a person would travel under the shade for a hundred years before they would come to the end of it Ra'suhu, <inaudible> such a man his hair is unkept <inaudible> and his feet is covered with dust يعني yani, because, because of his occupation which he had he didn't attend to himself combing his hair or cleaning off his feet, but he was occupied totally with preparation and going forth in jihad. Peace be him. In kana kana And if he was in the vanguard, in the forefront of the army, protecting the soldiers from the onslaught of the enemy, if he is given that position, he is pleased with it and he attends to it fully. Well, in kana But if he is in the end, in the rear guard and he watching the back of the Muslim army, then he also, if he is given that position, then he attends to it, he sticks to it, and he doesn't abandon the task that has been given to him, because whatever position he is given, he is doing it for the sake of Allah. He doesn't mind what he is given to do, he does it for the sake of Allah. And likewise, the Prophet ﷺ describes him, his And if he is asked permission to enter upon the rulers, and the wealthy, and the people of status, He would not be given permission to enter upon them because he is a person who doesn't seek the dunya. So he is not attending to such things. So he doesn't have any status amongst the people of dunya. If he asks permission to enter, they would not give it to him. And if he had sought to intercede, his intercession would not be accepted. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had decreed that he was in a situation that he needed to intercede for something that is for the pleasure of Allah, Even his intercession would not be accepted by them, the people of the dunya, because he is not from amongst those people. And the Shaykh says the general meaning of this hadith is that in this hadith, the Messenger of Allah has made clear that they are from amongst the people. Those who, their most important concern is the dunya, the worldly things. It is the extent of their knowledge. Their first and last objective is the dunya. And if this was the condition of a person then his end is destruction and loss. Whoever's whole life is devoted to seeking the dunya, then they are headed for al-halaq or khasran. And the sign or the, the indication to know the people of this type is that their whole objective, their concern, their most serious concern is seeking worldly things. Whenever they are given the worldly things, they are pleased. And whenever they are not giving it, given it, they are displeased. And the other group of people from amongst the people are those whose objective is seeking the pleasure of Allah and the next life. And they are not striving to be seen. And they are not striving for a position that they will be given status. Nor are they seeking fame or fortune. But indeed their intention in doing any deed, it is their intention, it is obedience to Allah and obedience to the Messenger of Allah. And the sign of this group of people is the absence of their concern with their appearance, with outward appearance and worldly things. And likewise, that they are looked at, they are yani, considered as insignificant amongst the people. They are not considered to be people of status. And they are far from those who have high position and status. They are not mixing with those people. And if they, and for this reason, if they ask submission, then they would not be given. And if they attempted to intercede, then their intercession. Would not be accepted, however, their destination is the paradise and the reward of Allah. The Shaykh says in closing the benefits from this hadith number one, the permission or the permissibility of making supplication against the people of sin, the sinful people. It is permissible to make supplication against them in the general sense, ala sabil al umum, not specifically. And for this reason, the Prophet made supplication against them in general, ta'isa abdul dinar. Whoever is in that condition, but he didn't make publication against them specifically. Number two, the blameworthiness of those who, whose only concern is seeking the dunya. Number three, that whoever seeking of the dunya was their most serious concern, then they will fall into many problems. Number four, that it is mustahab or commendable or praiseworthy or beloved that a person should make preparations for jihad. And some of the scholars said that it is wajib. Not Mustahab Number 5 The virtue of Al-Jihad in the way of Allah As the Prophet Sallallahu said That for that person is Jannah Or the tree in Jannah Number 6 Military discipline Is from the teachings of Islam To have military discipline As indicated in this hadith Where the Prophet Sallallahu uh, Supplicated for the paradise For the one who prepares himself And his horse for Jihad And takes whatever position he is given And is pleased with it And sticks to it Number 7 the virtue of guarding or protecting the armies, the Muslim armies. Number eight, that a person should be measured or weighed by his deeds, not by his outward appearance. And the Prophet ﷺ said concerning this, Allah la ila wa la That Allah doesn't look to your shapes or to your wealth, ولكن ولكن But Allah looks to your heart. And your deeds. And finally, he said that it is not a necessity that a person that a person who has status and rank and esteem and distinction in front of Allah, that they would also have such rank and prestige or distinction in the world, yani amongst the people. It is possible that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala may consider someone of a high rank while in the world and amongst the people they may not be considered as so. The Sheikh says the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion and the general topic of a Tawheed is that this hadith indicates that whoever has as his primary objective the seeking of the world and this is the end of his intentions and the extent of his intentions, then this person will be a slave to that. And he has taken that thing as a partner with Allah and therefore fallen into a shirk. Uh, in closing the Messiah that the Sheikh had mentioned Sheikh Mohammed bin Abdul Wahab at the end of this chapter 7 the first of them is in reference to a person who does something of the actions of the next life seeking a reward in this dunya that person gives precedence to the rewards of this world over the rewards of the next life Number two, the tafsir of Ayat Yani, the explanation of the verses in Surah Suhud that we discussed, yani those who seek the world and its rewards, uh, then they will be given of this world the reward, however they would have nothing in the next slide. Number three, the naming of a person, a Muslim, an insan and Muslim, wal الدِّنَار وَالْدِّرْحَمْ والخميثة, yani that uh, This is a type of ubudiyah that a person may be called the slave of a dirham or dinar, and so on. Uh, it is a, a, a type of ubudiyah that doesn't necessarily fall into major shirk, unless unless the extent to which they worship those things and seek them reach that level. However, it is a type that is it is a type of shirk that spoils someone's ikhlas or intentions, pure intentions, uh, because uh, the love that he has for the worldly things it is competing with the love of Allah and the love of the rewards of the next life. Number four, the explanation of the saying that if he is given of the worldly things he is pleased and if he is not given, then he is displeased in this statement of the Prophet Sallallahu it is a sign of the slavery or the obudiyah to such things that a person might love and seek the things of the world to such an extent that they become a slave to it, such that their pleasure and their displeasure is in accordance with whether or not they have those things or they are denied them. Then he says the saying of the Prophet وسلم, and also either shika, Fala that he supplicated some of them said that this is khabr that this will happen and some of them said that it is a dua that the Prophet Sallallahu called for this to happen that the person who seeks the dunya thing should be destroyed and perish and if they fall into any calamity such as the prick of a thorn a thorn stuck into them they should not find a way to get it out that means that they should not find a way out of the calamities that befall them and the last issue is the praise of the Prophet Sallallahu upon the mujahid who is described with these descriptions in this hadith yani, the Prophet Sallallahu has supplicated that that person be rewarded with paradise Uh, and this is an indication that the one who is described with such descriptions that it is a praiseworthy person and that person who is described with these descriptions deserves to be praised unlike the one who is seeking the wealth or the things of this world. This is the end of the Messiah and the time is short but in any case uh, the questions at the end, if we can just any, briefly answer each of them, discuss the, site, the type of shirk mentioned in this chapter, the shirk al-Asghar. What is the meaning of, to them we shall pay the four wages of the deeds therein? It means that they would get the reward for, the, that is those who seek the dunya and the disbelievers, they would get reward for whatever they do of good in this world, but nothing in the next life. What is the threat mentioned in the ayat and Surah Suhud for those who do righteous deeds for worldly reasons, that their deeds would be destroyed, they would be of no benefit, and they would be thrown in the hellfire. What are the two types of people mentioned in the hadith of Abu Huraira? And what is their end? And it's those who seek the dunya and those who seek the akhirah. And those who seek the dunya, they would get that only, and they would lose in the end. And those who seek the next life would be rewarded by Allah. What is understood from, if he has given these things, he is pleased, and so on, it means that the people of the dunya are only pleased if they get the things of the dunya, otherwise they are displeased and this is the opposite of the true believers they are pleased if they earn the pleasure of Allah by seeking the reward of the next life and what may be understood from if he is placed in the vanguard he will be found in the vanguard means that those who seek the hereafter whatever position they are assigned to since they are doing it for the sake of Allah they are pleased with it and they will stick to the assignment that they are given what is meant by if he asks permission he is not granted it means that those people who are not seeking the worldly life that they don't have any status amongst the people who seek the worldly life. Therefore, if they go amongst the rulers or the wealthy people and the people of status and ask permission to enter upon them, they would not be given. And likewise, if they seek to intercede, their intercession would not be accepted. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. la ilaha ila anta staghfirka wa tubilik. If there's any question, quickly, or any comment or correction.